Good morning, Hawaii Kai Church. Round three. I'm ready. I am ready. We don't need AC. The Word of God will cool our, uh, cool our minds and physical bodies. Um, I, I just, I'm thankful for Hawaii Kai Church. Hawaii Kai Church is family, uh, literally and spiritually, through our brothers and sisters in Christ, but um, Josh and Jenny Gumber are my theos and theas by marriage. Uh, that's uncles and aunties, literally, though, in Spanish, okay? Theos and theas. And also, uh, Keenan and Eileen Gould, theos and theas by marriage. That's my wife's aunts and uncles. So, uh, family, literally and spiritually, it's a privilege to be here. I just can't say enough good things about your pastor, Dan Wong. Um, it's a privilege to know him. And it's a great opportunity to preach in his pulpit. I look up to Dan. He's a mentor of mine, and I am seeking to imitate Dan as he imitates Christ. So thank you, brother, for having me here at your church. Would you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians chapter 5. We're just going to look at the first two verses of this chapter this morning. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. When you're there, I'll meet you there in just a minute. My daughter, Joelle, she's five years old, and she's learning how to write her letters. And where do you start when you learn how to write letters? You start by tracing, do you not? You trace those dotted lines that are in the form of the letter, and that helps her to know how to write the letter, how to follow the form. And I'll admit, when Joelle started this, she wasn't very good at it. (laughs) She wasn't very good at following the lines. The straight lines were all zigzagged and so on. But as she's practiced, Joelle has gotten better at following the form. And she's following the line in conformity with the letter. Brothers and sisters of Hawaii Kai Church, the Christian life is one of tracing We trace a perfect model. We trace our lives after the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life, put very simply, is this, to know Christ and to become more like Him, to trace Him, to follow in His footsteps. And that is what Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 command us to do this morning, to trace our God to follow Jesus Christ, to follow in his footsteps, his example. So let's read the text together. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Two verses, two commands in the text, and two points to my message this morning. But before we get there, why don't I open our time in prayer? Father, I ask again that you would make me like Christ. God, I want to follow him. I want to become more like him each and every day. Lord, I pray that same prayer for the brothers and sisters here at Hawaii Kai Church, that they would follow Christ and imitate Him. 
and grow each and every day to become more like him. May we put Christ in front of us, the world behind us, and never turn back. Help us in that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Point number one, imitate Christ. Imitate Christ or imitate God. Uh, Verse one says this, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Think about that command for a minute. We know what it means to imitate, to mimic someone's behavior, to become like them, but think about becoming like God, imitating a perfect being, the God of the universe. William Barclay, a commentator, says this is the highest standard in all of the world, and I agree with him. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, this is the highest level of all doctrine and practice. This is the ultimate ideal. This is not shooting for the moon, shooting for the stars. This is shooting for outside of this universe to become like God in character. That's a high command. That is a high calling. Think about God with me for a minute. Think about his attributes, or as my theology professor likes to call them, his perfections. Because God's attributes are not like ours. Ours are imperfect. We are flawed human beings, but God is perfect. So think about his attributes, his perfections. God is faithful. That is that he is absolutely reliable. Hawaii Kai Church, be like him. God is good. That is that he is the sum, source, and standard of all that is wholesome, virtuous, and beneficial. Brothers and sisters, be like him. God is merciful. That is that he is unconditionally sympathetic toward the misery and distress of his people. Be like him. God is holy. Leviticus 19.2, God himself says, you shall be holy. Why? For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be like him. Now these are just a handful of attributes. There are many more, aren't there? These are just some. And, And you and I could spend lifetimes, millions of lifetimes, pursuing these attributes, trying to grow in these ways, and we'll never attain God's perfection. Yet this is our command today. Become like God in his character. Trace him. Grow in these ways. Be an imitator of God. And look at the next phrase. Be imitators of God as beloved children. It does not say be imitators of God to become children. This is not advocating a works-based salvation. I don't want you to walk out that door today and think, well, if I just follow in the footsteps of Jesus, then I can be saved. No, no, no. We follow in the footsteps of our Father. We, we become more like Him because we are children of God. We've been saved. And Ephesians is very clear that salvation is not by works. It is by the single work of Jesus Christ. It is a grace by which you are saved through faith. It's not your own doing, Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 1.5, we had nothing to do with our adoption. We didn't purchase our adoption certificate. Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters. Adoption into God's family is not something you earn. 
It's not something you deserve. It is a gift. And I encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I encourage you to believe in him and receive that gift today to have eternal life and to be a member of God's house. So Ephesians 5.1 commands us to live out our identity, not to earn it. And the principle is simple. The character of the Father will reflect in the image of His beloved sons and daughters. It is in your genes, in other words. You will reflect God. Dr. Jim Boyce writes, Just as physical genes lead a child in the direction of the parent's chief characteristics, so should the Christian spiritual genes lead in the direction of the moral character of God. So here's the convicting question. Does your life, does your character reflect God's? Is it traceable? Do people see Him in and through you? My mom would often tell me, you remind me so much of your uncle, her brother, my uncle Lane. My dad would say, Morgan, it's so obvious that you have the Parker gene. Parker is my mother's maiden name. I, I, I guess because of my mannerisms, the way that I talk, I, I remind them very much of my grandpa Bud. Of course, I've got the Eastern European long nose too, and that helps, those attributes. I, I look and reflect those genes. It's obvious that they're in me. Hawaii Kai Church, if someone were to observe your life, to watch your life, to watch what you say, to hear what you say, to watch how you live and what you do, is it obvious that you're a son or a daughter of the Most High? Is it traceable in your life? You've heard the saying, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Jesus makes a stronger statement. He says, imitation is the sincerest expression of your identity. It reveals who you are. He said in John 13, Jesus, he said, love one another just as I have loved you. In other words, imitate my love. And then notice what he says in the next verse. By this, by your imitation, all people will know that you are my disciples. One of the ways that we can know whether you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ is whether or not you imitate him, whether or not you follow him with your life. Christian, imitate God. Become imitators of God and grow in your imitation of God. And the greatest characteristic that we can imitate of God's is his love. His love. That leads us to point number two. Point number one, imitate God. Point number two, walk in love. Let's read the next verse together. Just that first phrase. It says, walk in love. Notice with me that the command is not love. He doesn't say love one another. The command is to walk. Walk in love. Now, this is a prominent theme throughout the book of Ephesians, the theme of walking. In chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, You were once dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. In verse, or chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. 
And then verse 17 of chapter 4, he says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Our verse today, walk in love. Verse 8 of chapter 5, walk as children of light. Verse 15, look carefully how you walk. Now, what's the walk? Why does Paul use this verb and this command? Think of the imagery here. What is it? What do you do when you walk? Well, you're moving, aren't you? And you're moving in a direction. You're living it out. It it is the actions of your life, the direction of your life. Put simply, the walk is your lifestyle. It, It helps us to visualize the direction, the habits, the actions, the characteristics of our lifestyle. If you are a Christmas tree, this is, these are the ornaments that decorate your life. This is how you live. And the book of Ephesians tells us that you are either in a living walk or you're in a dead walk. You are either walking toward Christ, following him, or you're walking away from him. The Christian life is a walk. And the walk ought to be in the sphere of love. It says walk in love. That is that everything we do, every habit, every word that proceeds out of our mouth, every action ought to be marked by love. Love ought to be the defining mark, the biggest ornament in the Christian's life. Why? Why are we to love? The verse gives us the answer. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. See, the Christian's life or walk must be marked by love because you have been marked by the love of Christ. 1 John 4.19, we love because why? He first loved us. It's a part of our identity. This is who we are. We've, we've received love. We've been loved. And you've experienced that love, haven't you, Christian? You know it. You know what it is to be loved by Jesus, to know his love, be overwhelmed by his love, his sacrifice for you. It's part of who you are. It's part of your identity. See, a, a Christian without love is like salt without flavor. It's like plants and grass and trees without the green. It's like the Hawaiian islands without lava, rock, and ocean. It's just, it's, it's an oxymoron. It, it doesn't exist. Christians are marked by love because they've been marked by the love of Christ. It should be evident in our lives. Of course, the ultimate demonstration The motivation of love, if you think to yourself, oh, I'm just lacking motivation to love that person. It's really hard. Look no further than the love of Jesus Christ. His love is the epitome of love. The highest love. Look at the text, he gave himself up. Galatians 2.20 says something similar. He gave himself up. You know, it's one thing to send a gift from afar. You might be familiar with that. You might have family, friends on the mainland, and you have to send a gift from afar. It's a whole other thing to give the gift 
personally, in person, isn't it? You know, it's one thing to volunteer your wife to serve in the church (laughs) or to volunteer your kids to go do a task. It's a whole other thing to volunteer yourself to serve others. You know, it's one thing to support the troops from afar who give their lives for our freedom. It's a whole other thing to be a troop yourself and to lay your own life down for the freedom of others. Do you, under, do you get where I'm going here? Jesus Christ didn't send the gift from afar like a distant relative. He didn't send the angels to do the dirty work on his behalf. Jesus gave himself up. He set aside his wealth and glory unimaginable. He stepped down to earth taking the form of a slave and laid his own life down for our freedom. This is love. This is the epitome of love. And if you lack love, you need to look here first to see the ultimate display of love, to be motivated by the love of Christ. Jesus himself said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he says this, greater love has no one than this, that a man would lay his life down for his friends. The greatest display of love, the fireworks of love is the cross. Jesus Christ. He defined love. Culture doesn't define love. Our world doesn't define love. The romance novels, the chick flicks, those do not define love. Love is defined by God, Christ, and is defined by sacrifice, by laying down your pride, laying down your rights, your privileges, your own wants, your desires, laying all that aside for the sake of others. That's love. That's the love of Christ, and that, Christian, is the love that Paul calls you to today. That is the standard of love. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering, a sweet-smelling aroma, the text says, and sacrifice to God. You know, in Genesis chapter 8, When the flood subsides, Noah builds an altar, and he puts on the altar a a sacrifice. And verse 21 says, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground. When the scent hit the nose of our God, his wrath was appeased. He withheld it. That's what propitiation is. Uh, A propitiation, when you see that word in the Bible, it means that it is a sacrifice that appeases, withholds God's wrath. And that sacrifice is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. We see later in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system is put in place by God. And the Lord provides all kinds of instructions for this system. They were ongoing animal sacrifices, burnt offerings. And if the Israelites did them according to the instructions, the text says that the offerings would be a sweet-smelling aroma to God and that he would withhold his wrath for sin. 
Now we know those offerings and sacrifices were continuous over and over again. The high priests would stand in the temple, the tabernacle, every day making the same sacrifices over and over again. Why? Because we're all sinners and we sin continuously. And Hebrews 10 tells us that the blood of bulls and goats cannot atone for sin. That sacrificial system was just a shadow of a a greater sacrifice, a, a permanent sacrifice that we needed. Now listen to the words of 1 John 4, 10. In this is love. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be what? The propitiation for our sins. Christian, realize this. There is not a sweeter scent in all of heaven than the fragrance of the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, who stands there every day for you as your advocate, as your great high priest, who once and for all made a sacrifice for sins. That sweet-smelling, sacrificial love fragrance is continuously before the Father, and He's pleased. His wrath is appeased. That's, that's incredible, isn't it? Incredible love. Christian, you know that to be true. That is your Savior. That is your Lord. That is your great high priest, your advocate. Oh, what love. There's not greater love than that. There's no greater love than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amazing to think about. His sacrifice. His sacrificial love. You know, my, my grandmother had a very distinct smell. <laughs> it's because she wore a lot of perfume. In fact, when my grandmother walked into the house, everybody knew who had arrived because she just smelled of this perfume. Very aromatic. And, of course, when you would hug grandma as kids, what, what would happen? Well, you'd smell like her. You'd smell like her for probably the rest of the week. That smell rubbed off. Christian, if you have embraced the love of Christ, you'll smell like Him. That scent will rub off. You'll have that distinct, sweet-smelling, fragrant aroma of sacrificial love. You will love others selflessly as Christ did. You will love others unconditionally as Christ did, sacrificially as Christ did. That's our calling to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant aroma and sacrifice to God. Let me leave you with a few points of application. Practical applications. How, how can we imitate God? How can we walk in the love of Christ and imitate his love? Three points. Forgive. Give. And sacrifice. Forgive, give, and sacrifice. Three points of application. Number one, forgive. We cannot ignore the therefore at the beginning of verse one. Did you see that? Therefore, be imitators of God. 
Don't be deceived between the chapter divisions. Those were added later. It, it does not mark two distinct portions of the epistle, but these thoughts are joined together. They're continuous. Look at the previous command in chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, what? Forgiving one another. How? Just as Christ forgave you. Unconditional forgiveness. That's the forgiveness of Christ. Christ didn't place any conditions on His forgiveness. It was unconditional. That is the fruit of love. Now, forgiveness is hard, isn't it? It is hard to forgive someone who's hurt you. Unconditional forgiveness seems impossible. To forgive without condition, without an I'm sorry, without an I apologize, without I'll do better next time, forgive unconditionally, just as Christ forgave you. It seems impossible to forgive someone who didn't deserve it, who, who definitely didn't earn it, who doesn't reciprocate it. Seems impossible to forgive someone who said things you will never forget, who did things that have scarred you for life, that have broke you in ways that are beyond fixing. You say, Morgan, it is impossible to look in the face of my accusers, the slanderers in my life, the abusers, and forgive them. I hear this a lot as a pastor. I'm sure Dan hears it too. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how bad they've hurt me. You don't know. And I just always say, you're right. I, I don't know. But I do know someone who does. Jesus Christ knows. The Lord Jesus Christ knows what it's like to be abused, what it's like to be slandered, what it's like to be mocked, blasphemed, even hurt, hit, beaten, even killed. We have a great high priest who can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your souls. If you're struggling to forgive, if you're having a hard time forgiving someone who's hurt you so badly, look to Christ. See Christ on the cross when, when he looks down at his accusers his blasphemers. He's looking in the eyes of his abusers, even his murderers. And what does he say up there on the cross? He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Remember, Christian, how much you've been forgiven. How sinful and wretched you are. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and you continue to sin each and every day, and God forgives you. How much more should we forgive others? Jesus Christ is the impetus, the motivation for forgiveness. Every Christian has the capacity and ability to forgive much because Christ has forgiven them more. Number one, forgive. Number two, give. Take the four out of the front and just give. Christ loved us, and we saw in the text, he gave himself up for us. Don't give when it's convenient. Don't just give when it's comfortable. Don't give expecting a return on your investment. Give unconditionally. 
just like Christ. And don't just give what you have. Don't just give your resources. But give like Christ and give yourself. The couple walks into the counseling office, this married couple, and they are just at each other's throats. They're pointing fingers at each other. It's, it's his fault. It, it's your fault that our marriage is falling apart. And the husband, he's exasperated and he says, I don't get it. He says, I've given you everything a woman could want. You have a nice house, a nice car, all the clothes that you can buy. And his list went on and on and on and on. Finally, he stops. And with tears in her eyes, she responds. She says, yes, John, you've given me everything except yourself. See, this man, this husband withheld what was most precious to him, his own self, his own time, his own energy, his own attention. He thought that he could love his wife by just giving her stuff. That's not the love of Christ. The love of Christ to imitate him is to give yourself up for others, to give your attention, to give your time, to give your energy, your, your service, yourself with no strings attached. See, the greatest gift from God is not the things that you have. It's not your house. It's not your car. It's not the great state you live in. It's not your paycheck. It's not the money in the bank. The greatest gift you have is not even the people in your life. The greatest gift is not your spouse. It's not your children. It's not your grandchildren. Those are great and wonderful gifts. Don't get me wrong. Those are gifts from heaven. But the greatest gift, Christian, that you have received is Jesus Christ himself. When he gave you himself on the cross. So give yourself to others like Christ gave himself to you. Point number three, final application point, sacrifice. Christ's love came at a high cost, did it not? It was a high cost. Jesus laid down his rights, his crown, his glory, and he stepped down to earth. And even on earth, he didn't live the life of a luxurious king or a monarch. He, he gave himself as a slave. He laid aside earthly comforts, wants, and desires Positions of power. Ultimately, he laid down his own life on the cross. Jesus denied himself every day for the sake of others. And our love should be the same. Lay aside your pride. Lay aside your rights, your privileges, the perceived positions of power that you think you've earned or what you deserve. Lay down your own comforts, your own wants, your desires, your self-indulgences, your self-maintenance, your selfish aspirations. Lay aside your me time. That is a worldly construct, me time. The world will tell you, you need to focus on yourself before you give yourself to others. You need to fuel up yourself before you give and give to others. That's not what God says in his word. He says, give yourself up for others. And by the way, if you feel like I lack the strength to do that, you lay in bed at night thinking, I don't know if I could give anymore. I don't know if I could sacrifice anymore. Jesus Christ would not command you to do something that he himself would not supply the energy for you to do. 
Depend on Christ. Look to Christ for an unconditional, unrelenting, sacrificial love, and he will fuel you to love others in the same way. He'll give you that same desire and motivation. Walking in love like Christ is not just being ready for the big moment. You know, we think of the epitome, Jesus dying on the cross. And so we think, well, sacrificial love means I'll be ready for the moment. You know, when the child goes out in front of the bus and the bus is coming and I run and jump and save the child and give my own life. Or you might think, you know, if the intruder comes into my house, I'm going to be ready to defend for my family or defend my family against him. That's sacrificial love. Yes, those are great displays of sacrificial love. But Christ's sacrificial love was not just displayed in the cross. That's the epitome. But Jesus, again, laid down his life every day. He denied himself every day for the sake of others around him. He put his disciples before himself. He put, you know, the woman at the well before himself. He, he put the prostitutes and the tax collectors before himself. He gave himself totally, sacrificially. And we're called to do the same. Fathers, happy Father's Day. Continue to give yourself sacrificially to your wife and your kids. Even after a long day's work. Even if when you feel like, I've given so much at work, I'm coming home and I want to be served. No, no, no. That's not the love of Christ. Christ gave himself over and over again. Mothers, rearing, raising children, it's a thankless job often. It's, they're very ungrateful. Husband doesn't say much. And it's tiring. It's weary. And mothers could have this temptation to be, woe is me, and, and want to you know, get away to have some me time, some, some, some space, and, and to focus on yourself. No, no, no. That's, that's not the love of Christ. Christ continued to give himself. Grandchild, uh, grandparents, grandchildren, Singles, others, people have been placed in your life, neighbors, coworkers, friends, family, that you are called to love sacrificially, people that you're called to put in front of yourself. This is a lifelong endeavor, isn't it? Whether you're 16 or you're 96, you will spend your life growing in this area, becoming more like Christ, imitating his love. Press on. Continue. Walk in love. And you just say, your final rebuttal might be, what about when love is unreciprocated? How can you expect me to serve them when they don't deserve it? How do you expect me to keep giving when they give nothing back? What if they don't want my love? What if they're not worthy of my love? What if they have really hurt me? Ephesians 5.2, walk in love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us when we didn't deserve it, when we gave him nothing back, when we didn't want it, when we were unworthy of it, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love others in the same way, just as Christ has loved you. Imitate God. Grow in your love. Let's pray. Father, help us to be more like Jesus. We love him because you first loved us. 
I just pray that for the non-Christian in this room today, that they would know the love of Christ, that they would believe in Jesus and Him alone for salvation, that they would turn and from their sins, surrender their old life, and trust, follow Jesus, so that they would have an impetus, a, a motivation for love. God, I pray for every believer here today, those who are truly your children, that we would walk in love, that we would become more like Christ, and that the people around us in this world would see us and see the character of our Father in us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.